if the Cowboys go on a run here, we might look back on this win over the Vikings as the sledgehammer game. Saturday night at the team hotel in a meeting in a ballroom, Mike McCarthy gets up at the front of the room and says, guys, I want to apologize. I don't think I did a good enough job emphasizing our objectives for the week, one of which was to hammer the ball out of Dalvin Cook's hands. At that point, McCarthy pulls out a sledgehammer, not a prop, a full sledgehammer that you can knock a wall down with, and someone rolls in a bunch of watermelons. Each one has a different objective written on it. McCarthy reads the objective, bam, smashes the watermelon. He goes down the row doing this. The players are roaring. McCarthy's pants are soaked. Finally gets to the watermelon with Dalvin Cook's picture on it. Demarcus Lawrence jumps up and goes, I got to get that one. He hands over the sledgehammer to Lawrence. He smashes that watermelon. Right on, on, on the sledgehammer, smashing the watermelon, and, and where'd you get that idea from? And, and just talk about how the players received it. Well, I think like anything in, in this game, it's it's important to have fun. You're you're always trying to, you know, create emphasis in your messaging, and and that's really where it came from. We're just using the approach, just honoring a great comedian, you know, Gallagher, and uh, it's just an idea that came up, and uh, we went for it, and and uh, the players were were into it, and and we had some fun with it. Uh, it, it, it was just all part of the messaging. So um, we, we had a number of uh, points of emphasis that we were trying to hit. So um, a number of guys got to participate. And, and uh, once again, I said it was a lot of fun. It was well received. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? And just like that, we're back where we were. After a nice victory over the Minnesota Vikings, Cowboys fall on Thanksgiving just a few days later, back to third place in the NFC East. And, you know, I guess anything can happen either way. But doesn't look good for the Dallas Cowboys. Really bad performance on Thanksgiving against the Washington football team. We're going to break it all down on this episode of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison producing. Excited to welcome in our panel for this episode. Of course, welcoming back as always... The godfather of all things Cowboys here at The Athletic, Father John Mishota, and of course, your host, Kevin K.T. Turner. And guys, you know, these Thanksgiving games for the Cowboys are always really famous, really infamous. They always have nicknames. You know, there's the Leon Lett game. There's the Jason Garrett game. You know, there's the Robert Griffin, the third game, maybe. You know, um, what would this one be known as? The fourth and ten fake punt? For no gain game, the Zeke fumble game. I don't know where do we go with this one. Where there's there's kind of a lot a lot of storylines to to follow. What do you think, John? What would you title this game? Oh well, Mike McCarthy completely saved any. If you're even talking about at the very beginning of this Zeke's fumble, which for. Most games, that would be number one. But Mike McCarthy went out there and said, go ahead, Zeke. Go ahead. You know what? No one's even going to be talking about what you do. Check out what I'm about to do Hold here. my beer, Zeke. Yeah. Hold my beer. I, I got this. I, I got this. I got this. The funniest part is that this game was it was still very competitive early in the fourth quarter. Like, And, and Washington's offense wasn't doing anything to really make you think like, oh, you, know, you don't want to give them the ball back. But in the end... We've we've seen two games against the Washington football team that the only way they will make sense in the outcomes 
is literally if Washington goes on to win the Super Bowl. And that's not going to happen. They might win the NFC East and then get their doors blown off in the first round. But they have outscored them. I think it's something like 66 to, what, 19 now in two games. The Washington football team that had the second overall pick in last year's draft, who also has a brand new coaching staff. Like, what are we doing here? Did you watch the Lions before that game? (laughs) <laughs> they they beat the Washington football team. I know you watched them, John. I know you subjected oh my yourself Lord. to that Thanksgiving. I always it's a painful thing. It's yeah. the same thing <laughs> a- annual tradition. Yeah, I literally move from watching bad Thanksgiving football to watching bad Thanksgiving football. Like this is just what I do. But no, uh, it's on the coaches for sure. That's the biggest takeaway from this game. It's uh, you know, and, and really to be honest with you, there aren't a lot of games that I feel this way after. There aren't a, a ton of games. I, I mean. Yeah, I, you're I very like, fair. I want to say that. I, you're very fair in that regard. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I like to point the blame at those guys. <laughs> right, right. And I know a lot of people do. But there's just <laughs> – there were several calls in that game. Three that stand out to me, which I wrote about on The Athletic uh, for today. What, the fake punt on, on fourth and ten from your only, own 24, only down four, with still over 12 minutes to play in the game. Ridiculous. Uh, fourth and one um, – uh, throwing to CD Lamb uh, when you have Ezekiel Elliott, or you could have just went with the with the QB sneak uh, early in the game. Uh, just the final score makes it look like it was some lopsided blowout, but it's like it never was that until finally their doors just got blown off. Because, and I find it hard to believe that the players, you know, don't they don't see that and are kind of like left scratching their heads too. And, and that's one of the tough parts about this season. And one of the things that's really helped Mike McCarthy is that, you know we don't have the type of media access we normally get. So we don't get a Jerry after a game. And we all know that would have been a great one to get him after. Um, And we don't get to go in the locker room. And so all we get are the zoom conference calls and players aren't going to tell you the same thing as after a game, when you work the locker room, there would have been a lot of guys after that game yesterday being asked with maybe one reporter around him too. You know, did you, did did the, you know, the fake punt, did that kind of take the wind out of your guys' sails or that whatever? There would have been guys that would have been like, yeah, man, that was that was a backbreaker or something like that. And, and they might not have thought it was a big deal saying it at the time, but that would have been a, that would have been added in the story. today. We don't get any of that. So we're just going off of really some conference calls. What Mike McCarthy says after the game, which I thought was kind of wild how he just doubled down on, on the decisions, which, wow, that was that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> this one this one's on the on the coaching on the coaching staff. And the alarming thing here is that, you know, obviously they came into this game with, with very heavy hearts. They had just lost their strength and conditioning coach the day before. Um, and you, and, and obviously the, the players are emotional about that. You know, it was, it's very clear talking to them after the game. And then just the way that they were carrying themselves before the game, we didn't get to go to any of the practices this week. They were closed to the media, uh, but it was, they were very emotional. And so you have to factor that in, you have to factor the injuries in this season. I mean, it just, you saw it early in the game with Zach Martin and obviously Cam Irving. And then you have to factor in COVID. All this stuff needs to be factored in. But when you take that away and you look at the way this team's been coached, you look at the way that they really haven't put together even two really good games back to back. And for all the people out there that want to talk about tanking and how, Hey, this is, we're going to be tanking and this from what you've seen up now to this point, do you have confidence that this coaching staff is going to put those players that you draft high with all your tanked picks? Do you have confidence that this is the right coaching staff for those players? This is what's frustrating because one of the big gripes I had about Jason Garrett was that Jason Garrett does not help you win games. From a strategy standpoint, he's not helping you win games. 
But now you kind of see a few things here, and I understand all the excuses or um, let's just call them uh, underlying factors, such as not having an offensive line and all these things that we could talk about there. The one thing I would say is how often did you go, man, Jason Garrett lost us that game? I don't think I thought that very often. I think there was a lot of times I thought he didn't help us, but I never, I don't remember a ton of times going, man, he he cost us the game. Now, I'm not putting this all on McCarthy. You know, all of these things all have so many talking points and so many things where you could spread it around. But I think what I would say here is we're talking about a team right now who has beat the Giants, Vikings, and Falcons by a total of seven points this year. We're talking about a team who has the second-worst point differential in the entire NFL next to the Jets, who obviously are not putting their best foot forward. But I would remind you that the Jets had zero interest in Mike McCarthy. Hiring Mike uh, Adam Gase over Mike McCarthy the same year in 2019 that the Browns were like, I don't really want to hire Mike McCarthy. Look, I, I've been a critic of Mike McCarthy, so I know people probably don't want to hear it from me. What I will say is, this is what this is what bothers me, is personality of a team. There are teams, and, and, and it's not that this can't be fixed. There are teams who, when things happen, they just can kind of handle it. Okay, it's fine. I I think knowing that this team's a little fragile for a ton of different reasons, and and not to mention, of course, the tragic loss of Marcus Paul and the short week and everything that that I mean that was definitely weighing on their minds. They saw him every day and were close with him. He's one of the guys they would be close to. What I would say is though, if you know you got a bit of a fragile team, why take it? Why why even take that? that chance on the fake punt. Now we can talk about the other decisions. The reason that fake punt makes no sense is for many reasons. And it take it away from that specific play, which he again, doubled down on, uh, doubled down on calling it a good call. The position on the field, the 24 yard line, the yardage to go 10 yards. And more importantly to me, 12 minutes left on the clock in a four point game. I mean, to me, there's three things that said, okay, you know what? If, it, if the ball's on the 44-yard line, I feel better on it, better about it. And that's an obvious thing to say, I know. But, like, to me, we had a number of factors telling you, probably not now. It was, like, just one thing. Like, here's a bunch of factors saying, you know what, probably not now. And then he has the audacity in the post game to go, it was the right call. Well, this is fantasy football nonsense. I'd like to think I have a good quarterback room. I mean, I can do this thing for years with this guy, and that is one of the things that I quite frankly can't stand about him. Like, he is an arrogant, stubborn son of a gun. And maybe that works in certain cases. Yesterday, not the time for it, buddy. And there you go. You got a 3-8 and eight team, and you lost your chance. Now, fortunately, the Cowboys have a... Uh, Nine lives. Every team in the NFC East is a pussycat because we're all getting nine lives. Uh, God knows what's going to happen with this Ravens game. Still waiting on news of the Ravens-Steelers game this week. Will the Thursday night game get moved? I know the NFL doesn't want to move it. The NFL wants to do Ravens-Cowboys Thursday night. It ain't over. <laughs> it is not over, weirdly. But, man, you, your head coach put you in a position where you now have to climb mountains. Now, your team's put yourself there already. 
to climb a, a big mountain, but he's making you climb multiple mountains because of his poor decision-making. What's so baffling about that call, the, punt, the fake punt call, is like no one thought about what would happen if they didn't make it, it felt like. Because there's no, no positive scenario if they don't make that play for the Cowboys. Okay, you give it back to them. They possibly just kick a chip shot field goal. They possibly go up for a touchdown to go up two scores in a fourth quarter of a game. There's no, there's no possible way that they considered the consequence of that play. And that's what's disturbing. Like Jim, like Jim Fossil and Mike McCarthy have such an offensive mindset and such a go-forward, let's-do-this attitude that they don't pull back and think, how could this affect the game if it doesn't go our way? The pros and cons level of his... Um, logic is disturbing to say the and least. Then, and then even hear Ron Rivera talk after the game about how, because of how aggressive they are and, 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 and believe me, like what I wrote for, for today was that, you know, the aggressiveness is the big difference from the previous coaching staff and, and there are positives to be taken from that. And, sure. and so I don't want to just act like this is all negative. I mean, there are positives from being aggressive, but you gotta be still, you gotta be smart about it. And, and, and that, that fake punt, there's not, nothing about that you can tell me was smart. And so when Ron Rivera's talking after the game about how, like, yeah, you know, I mean, we've studied their tendencies. We know that, that even in that chance right there, they could go for it. Now, they did leave C.J. Goodwin open on the back end of that, but that's also, that's, that's the second option on that. So that's why Cedric Wilson never even looks at C.J. Goodwin because Cedric Wilson is supposed to throw to the punter there, Hunter Nicewinder. May or may not have seen this play in practice. It may or may not have worked and looked miserable or looked great. You can go ahead and figure out what I'm saying there if you want. But um, it's supposed to go to Nicewinder. And so the idea that Cedric Wilson is going to complete this ball to the punter, I don't care if he's wide open 10 yards down the field. It's not, a, it's not a certainty. I saw he's also CD been Lamb, with the team for two weeks. I, I saw <laughs> C.D. Lamb drop multiple passes yesterday that were right on the money thrown by a NFL quarterback. So you're telling me in a big, this this is the thing. No one's comparing this to running it in practice. There are nerves involved when you know the game's on the line because you're running it on fourth and 10, a fake punt. You can't just assume that these guys are going to, Cedric Wilson's going to make a perfect pass. CJ Goen's going to just catch it and just run for a touchdown. You can't just assume that happens. I mean, the best special teams play they've run this year is Cedric Wilson throwing back to CJ Wilson. Do you guys remember how much CJ bobbled that throw? CJ that was like for half the distance. Yeah, the CJ Goodwin. Yeah. Remember when he bobbled it? Like you were just like, this could be a disaster. Okay, he held on to it. Like, again, it worked out well. But is that the chances that you're taking on this season? In the, in that situation? You're, hey, you're playing the Washington football team. This is not the Patriots of 2004 where you're just like, Hey, we're lucky to even still be here. We shouldn't even be in this game. Like, (laughs) you can play the Washington football team straight up and still win the game. It's going to be okay. All they had to do is drive the bus. Alex Smith, you'll be fine. He just threw the ball directly to Jalen Smith. You can win this game without trickery from your fourth and 10 from your freaking own side of the field. Calm down with this. Oh, and one more thing. One more thing. Because you mentioned earlier, KT, about the coaching thing, why don't we run down the schedule real quick and go through all these games and tell me how many that the Cowboys had the coaching advantage in when they were done. I'm having a hard time getting past two. Okay. So okay. let's go week one against the Rams. Yeah, no. Okay. Let's move to week two. 
We have the Falcons, the watermelon kick. I mean, there were so many questionable decisions that ended up working out in your favor in a fluky manner. It is so ironic that it's the watermelon kick game, too, is the one that, that got back, given that Mike McCarthy loves watermelons. Um, okay, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll actually say one on that one. You somehow outfoxed them by weirdly putting yourself in a decision, uh, in a situation to need an onside kick to win. But yes, okay. Okay, Seahawks. No. Browns. No. Joe Judge and the Giants. Oh my God! Yeah, you know, can I leave that one up in the air until they play again? Just okay. large sample size. Because uh, you you did win that game, so. Uh, all right. Sh- we'll say sure. <laughs> Cardinals. No. Washington football team round one. They didn't show up for that game. Eagles. Mm, I mean, that was the Danucci game. There were they, a lot uh, of fun. A lot of fun that game was. A lot of a lot of good trickery. A lot of little throws out in the flat. A lot of sidearm. It was fun. That actually could, was a fun game. <laughs> could I make the argument that before the game started, it was already a bad coaching decision by making him their starter? Yes. Uh, Pittsburgh football Steelers. No. Minnesota Vikings. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I give them it. I mean, yeah, you know, McCarthy had Zimmer's number in, and uh, you know, in the past as well. Yeah, and he smashed the watermelons but, before that game. That's McCarthy. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Washington round two. Wait, no. he smashed watermelons. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like Gallagher. I know, like I know. I understand this. He didn't think it was going to be a big deal either, Kent. So it is surprising, but yeah, I guess it happened. It's just a little thing. Let's. Let's talk about the games. He wants us to talk about the games, so let's talk about well, hold on. excited Tom about Pelicer. his stand-up after he gets fired. His stand-up comedy tour is going to be amazing. <laughs> my, my whole point to this exercise is that we were sold about this guy's won a Super Bowl. This is a, this is a you know a veteran staff. This is going to be this is going to be better than the last. That's like it, the uh, is high it better school, than the last high school pep rally where you get the old beat up car and they smash the windshields and you have the whole team smash the beat up car for the pep rally. That's like the tactics of. <laughs> what we're going for. No, no, no. The big joke on Twitter yesterday was that uh, Jeff Dunham's puppet show didn't, uh, <laughs> must not have worked. I mean, dude. He's, no, no, I'm hey, telling you. You, I, you know what I, I was thinking think about? What about Carrot? Oh what about God. What about Carrot Top? You know how he carrot has kind of like that trunk of like he brings out props and stuff like that. All right, boys. Time to, time to get ready. We've got Janine Garofalo. <laughs> doing a, doing oh. a little routine for you. <laughs> Oh, God, she's just going to bitch about her Legendary time on Saturday Whoopi Night Goldberg. Live. Bring her out here. <laughs> and again, guys, that's the one that got out. That's the story that got out. How do we know that there haven't been other things like that that have happened, but those didn't, quote unquote, get reported because they didn't work? How do we know that the watermelon thing is even the worst? We don't because it's the only one to get out. Well, the oh thing gosh. is, he, he, this is my problem with him, again, is he just, what well, I don't know if it's, Insecurity. I don't know if it's just a guy who's got a complex to where he's got to get credit or he's got a complex to where he wants the attention, but he doesn't want to be pride. Um, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, a, a lot of coaches like to control the narrative at press conferences. In fact, they should. It's one thing they should do. Some coaches, when they get to town, 
what they do is they try to buddy up with a beat writer uh, or, a, or a popular radio host in town immediately, someone who will spread their message for them. It's it's really media control 101. It's, it's something that people in high-powered positions do. It happens everywhere. And I just, I've seen this for years with him. This happened in Green Bay, and this is happening here. It is a thing where if he has asked or doubled down on something, his number, he's got two uh, uh, ways to go about it. One, he will double down on the decision he made. And two, he will act like he's offended or annoyed by the question. And you're like, dude, this is part of the charade of being a head coach. Part of the reason you make $8 million a year or whatever is because you have to have a press conference every day. I, and I swear, I'm not playing the role of media guy because you know I'm not at any of these press conferences, John. I know you are, but I'm not. So I'm not I'm not playing play the take-up for the media card right here. I'm just telling you, that's a part of the damn job. So it kind of always frustrated me, frustrated me with Jason a little bit. When Jason would give you nothing, and I know he would give you, give you guys stuff in the media walk-off a- afterwards, but it's like part of the reason you make this much money is not just for football. There are obligations. The number of interviews. Baseball managers have to have a pre-game and post-game interview and then press conference every game. 162 games a year. That's over three. They do more interviews than there are days in the year. And that's why baseball managers get paid well. NBA, they have pre-game media, post-game media. They have over 200 interviews a year. Part of the job. And he just goes, oh, no, I can't be asked about this. It was the right call. And then he, he goes to... Well, I think I've explained myself. Well, I need you to explain it for me because we're not understanding. No one is understanding what you were thinking. And he played the role of analytics guy. He did that. He said, I'm the analytics guy. All right. Now he lied, but he plays the role of analytics yeah, guy. I'm not saying ana- he doesn't use analytics, but he, he does a little bit, but he's not the analytics guy he sold himself as. Well, when you're asked to explain your thought process, the least you could do is give your fan base of the most popular franchise in the world of sports an explanation on what the F you were thinking. The uh, the disturbing thing about analytics is he'll probably go and defend, and he probably did. I haven't listened to the whole press conference, you know, the C.D. Lamb fourth and one, that the analytics will say, well, you throw it up to C.D. Lamb three times, he's going to come down with it twice. So that's the odds are in our favor in that situation, you know. No yeah. matter what down it is, no matter where you are in the field, whatever. You know what also needs to be considered here? Common effing sense. Common yeah. effing sense sa- says you don't throw it to C.D. Lamb on fourth and one in the red zone. Uh, you know, when you have uh, Tony Pollard, when you have Ezekiel Elliott, when you have a, uh, a a run pass option game that can do some damage. You know, I, I don't understand that. Uh, you know, you have to, to put away the research for a second, maybe. Uh, in that situation and say, all right, <laughs> again, pros and cons here. Let's see. Let's see what, what you know, what, what, what happened if we incomplete this or, or, or at least what the optics would be if, if we don't make it, you know? Um, so on the fourth and one, on the fourth and one, he said, quote unquote, it is a, it was a clean matchup. Okay. Called it a clean, exactly. clean matchup. And it was a one-on-one on the Favorable perimeter situation. Obviously the result wasn't what we were looking for. I think everybody saw what happened on the play. Those are plays that you look to create opportunities, and it was a good play call. Now, we had one on one on the outside. We just didn't convert. One did other, Pete one other. Say that after in the Super Bowl after the interception on the one yard line. Oh, it's a good he, play call. He just might didn't have. Execute but it. One other press conference note I have to share with you guys because it's kind of a funny story. So, um, so. 
during you could tell as it was going on, McCarthy was getting more and more. We're going to use the word frustrated with questions about play calling. There were multiple poor play calls, uh, and there was also a timeout with 23 seconds left in the first half that, that obviously should have. He did take he did take the blame for that one, uh, not not letting the clock run down to three, so that basically your field goal is the final play of the half. But anyway, yeah. no take harm, no foul the, there. He yeah, took take the blame, the blame for, for the thing that didn't cost you the game. Yeah, right, sure, right. So then, uh, at some point, he was asked about dealing with the injuries in the offensive line. And so when he's re- he's answering this, there's a little bit of laughter in the background coming from the media area. And then he kind of pauses. And there's a little bit more laughter. And then he, you can tell, I didn't see it in the video at first, so I went back to watch it because I wanted to see his reaction because he pauses again. And, and so he ends up looking away from the podium. You can tell if there was a some type of rating system on his anger level. At this point that I'm describing, it would be at its highest. So I didn't think much of it because I knew what had happened. And so I'm listening to the post-game show, and our good friend Brian Broadus, Ari Temkin, both who have been on this show, uh, they're taking calls, and people are talking about that laughter and basically how the media was being unprofessional. So I just want to clear up what happened here. Okay, when we're in in the press box, that's where everybody's at. And now there's so, so fewer people than there normally are up there, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, uh, Opposing teams aren't sending very many people. Normally, you know, you'd see 10, 15, 20 reporters from another team, something like that. There's like maybe three or four. But there still are reporters from the other team. And they're not sitting that far from you. And they're also doing their own conference calls. And so the laughter was actually a Washington reporter on one of the conference calls with a Washington player or coach. I don't know exactly who it was. but So what happens is when, you're, when you ask a question, you're supposed to ask your question and then mute your line. Somebody in the press box obviously just had their phone unmuted. And so in the background, it picked up some of that laughter. So it wasn't like and, – and, and really, if you went back and listened to – there, it wasn't a point where anybody would have been laughing at him. He was just explaining like, hey, I thought Joe Philbin did a good job adjusting whatever. And then you hear some like laughter. It's like that wouldn't have been – there were other times that other responses where you could have possibly had like there it didn't make any sense to fit in there. So like I texted Brian, you know, when I when I was and I heard I'm like Brian, man, I'm telling you, like I know you guys are like killing the media for this, but like this is what happened or whatever like that because I just was like it was like this storyline after the game on the radio that I was like I need to I need to give people the background on this and why would anybody understand that because everyone's so used to hearing a press conference and everyone's sitting right there, but it's yeah. way different this year. I mean we're all right by each other relatively speaking. And they're doing their calls while we're doing ours. You know, you, you'd hope that there's a better way to go about it, but there's really not. And so that was just kind of what happened there. But Mike McCarthy doesn't know that. He doesn't see us. You know, he's standing at the podium, but it's just a camera in front of him. He doesn't know, like, where that's coming from. So I think Mike McCarthy thought we were laughing at him. Oh, my God. I'm sure he – I'm sure that he got squared up. I'm sure someone told him what's up, and, he, and he's fine about it now. But, I mean – who knows, Tim? I'm telling you, there's a weird, like, grudge holder, just type annoyance mentality I've seen out of him when things are not going well. And, you know, you don't have, I mean, to spend some time on the internet and you can go find examples of him, whether talking down to the media or not fully explaining himself and just kind of, you know, not answering these these questions in a satis- satisfying, you know, because I, 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 I want to get off him a little bit. Uh, well, one more thing, him, one more thing, one more thing well, yeah, before yeah. we go on that. I think the thing is, is that 
you know, because obviously the way you're describing him in Green Bay, which I obviously saw not nearly as close as you, but like people can sit there and listen to this and say, well, Bill Belichick acts that way, you know, and, and even him and even Mike in, in Green Bay, you can at least come with a, well, he's winning football games. So you get, yeah. you just, whether it's fair or not, it's not like there's some written rule. You just get more leeway when you win. And so I'm sure Mike McCarthy thinks that he comes to the Cowboys uh, you know, obviously they weren't getting over the hump. He's coming there to, hey, I've won a Super Bowl. I'm here to kind of get this thing back on track. I'm going to get some of that leeway that I was getting in Green Bay. Well, people are looking at this kind of like, there's a lot of people that follow the Dallas Cowboys that really don't care what happened in Green Bay. And it's almost like you're starting over new here. It would almost in a way be, ah, I can't even, I was going to say if Belichick went somewhere else, but he's bought so much. <laughs> he's bought so much real estate yeah. with how much he's won. But you know what I'm saying? Like when you go to a new place, you're not going to get that same where like I could see in Green Bay, man, you know, you take you win a Super Bowl in Title Town, you got a street named after you. I mean, I get it, I get it. You can get, you can snap back a little bit more, and people will be like, hey, you know, he, you know, he's he's winning games and stuff like that. But like this season, I don't know how you can be snapping well, at anybody. It's, you, it's just not good. Yeah, no, you still see the best and worst of a coach in competitive situations, no matter who it is. Maybe the worst two teams playing in the league, and let's say they were playing to win. Actually, I know because there's a tank. Well, let's let's say uh, uh, let's just use the Detroit and in Houston game yesterday. Uh, if that game's competitive, you would still see you know Matt Patricia and Romeo Cornell. You'd still try to see what their strategies are in a tight game. And I know there's going to be. I got some of this on Twitter. There's going to be a segment of our audience is going. Well, hell, what do you want from him? Dak Prescott's gone. Zach Martin gets hurt. Terrence Steele's back in the mix. You've got a makeshift offensive line. I mean, what do you want? What do you, can we cut the guy a break? And I guess what I would say is, well, then why was it twenty to sixteen? Why was it a close game in the fourth quarter? It was a close game because the team you're playing is not very good. Just like you are not very good. That's exactly you, right, KT. The who they're playing is what factors in major here. Yes. They do this stuff. If what happens, seriously, what happened, even with, even with the fake punt, a lot of that, if that happens against the Ravens or the Steelers, you know, like, you know, you there's a little bit of more of like, hey, I can kind of see this. Washington is not good. And there's been too many times this season against other not good teams where that who are also dealing with COVID, who are also dealing with injuries, who some of them are also dealing with a new coaching staff, they seem to be finding ways. Like I don't yeah. think any. I think it would have been wrong if we're sitting here and we're criticizing the team because they only have six wins right now, or or they only have seven wins or something like. Like this team should be playing even with all of that stuff put together. They should be playing better than they are. No, I agree a hundred percent, and that's kind of. I mean, you find out that, hey, maybe Washington's quite a bit better than the Cowboys are. Um, you know, you look at the remaining schedule for the Cowboys, though, you, you do um, – you see this Baltimore game, which is now highly up in the air in terms of what Baltimore's even going to run out. Baltimore's a team who's already on a downswing. Lamar Jackson's tested positive for COVID, um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll spend a little time on this game, uh, you know, early next week. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but you got that. So you got a probably an RG three game. You got a Bengals team without Joe Burrow who's deflated. You've got a 49ers team who is certainly deflated and killed with injuries. Um, and then you've got your division opponents left, um, and the and the Giants and the Eagles. So it's not over. Uh, as weird as it sounds, it's not over. But man, yesterday felt like a real chance to go win the division. And that's where I kind of come back to a lot of things. Like in in crucial decision-making situations, what do you do? This is very simple. This is from Pro Football Focus. 
This is third and ones or fourth and ones over the last five years. Okay. Third and one or fourth and one over the last five years. And it's very broad. You can have three options here, a run, a pass, or a quarterback sneak. Okay. The conversion rate rate for a pass is 59%. All right. So still pretty good. You know, a six of 10 chance. We'll, we'll get this. The conversion rate on a run play, 68%. Conversion rate on a quarterback sneak, 84%. They went with the lowest option on those things. If those are the three plays you're going to run on fourth and one, they went with the lowest option. So where are the analytics there? Like, I just need explanations. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, you know, I, don't, and- I don't want to kill McCarthy all episode. I just want to kill McCarthy for some of the episode. <laughs> I want to kill him all episode. There's other things to talk about. But well, God, uh, let's go to that fourth and one. We'll go to that fourth and one play real quick. Um, I actually don't so, mind it that early in the game either. To be yeah, honest, no, I don't mind it that early in the game. I don't either. It's just the problem with a pass is this. Okay, it was very favorable matchup for them. It's it's Ceedee Lamb in single coverage with Ronald Darby on him. Ronald Darby, uh, thank you for everything you did at Florida State. Not that good of a, a professional, professional corner, especially at this point in his, in his career. It was very clear that they were targeting, targeting Ronald Darby. The, the dime ball that Dalton threw on the touchdown to Amari Cooper, he was targeting Ronald Darby. So it was, it's very clear that if they had single coverage, no safety help with Ron Darby, they were, they were going to be just fine throwing in that. But everything that happened in that play really shows you exactly why you don't run that play. It wasn't a clean route by CD. He dropped the pass. And there and it was and there was some physical play there that could potentially have been flagged against Darby, but all three of those things have to be factored in before you even call the play. Like all three of those possibilities of happening: not running a clean route, maybe not an accurate ball from Dalton, maybe there's a little bit of, of pass interference, maybe maybe CD just drops a clean pass. That's why the percentages go down when you even are factoring that in because it's it's still a pass play. That's why that's why the success in there is running with your quarterback or with your running back, and especially deep in your I mean, really to be honest with you, if you're passing in that situation, the only reason it makes any sense, especially being in your deep in your own territory like that, like I almost have to see a player just wide open, like a busted coverage. Like it has to be just such a great play call. You know, like sometimes you'll see it down in, in, in the red zone where It'll go for it on like fourth and in, in, in short, uh, you know, let's say from the two or three yard line and, and everybody sells out on, on run. And then here's this tight end that leaks out and there's nobody around him. It, really, frankly, if you go back and watch Dalton Schultz's tape, that's why I didn't know what he would be as a receiver. All of his yeah. touchdowns at Stanford are scored like that because he's a blocking tight end, sells out on the block all the time. Run, 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 Stanford football. Boom. He leaks out. You don't even yeah. see it coming. He's wide open. So on those certain plays, that's where I understand there. But there was still going to be some contested play back and forth between Darby and CD. Do you like that matchup? Absolutely. One-on-one, single man, no safety help. You love it. But there's just so much that can go wrong there in, in a point in the game where, I don't know, like it's fine that they went for it, but it's just like, I, I love the aggressiveness, but you can't just be aggressive without the chance of being too aggressive. And I just thought there were there were just times where they were being too aggressive can, without, with all things considering, the team they were playing, where they were at, the score, all things above, there's just a lot of things that left well, me scratching my head. Yeah, my tackles are out of the game. And, I mean, again, I'll go back to this because, I mean, the owner seems to like to pound that into everyone's head in every radio interview he does that Zeke's your best player and you paid the guy. You know, Zeke's a bulldozer now, right? Dude. Go get that yard. And what the, do you am think? Am I wrong? What do you think, Jerry? And this is two things, actually. One, is there some mandate 
from Cowboys PR that no Jerry Cam this year because there's been no Jerry Cam on like any game. Oh, well, they got they, they show him like twice on every him. game. Usually it's like they'll show him for five minutes a game. They show him for they, five oh, seconds they, a game I, this year. I, I tweeted out a pick. I tweeted out a picture. They got him briefly there, right? Yeah, they briefly. Gibson's but it's not like t- it's been in years past. Oh, but it was a good one. It was a good one. He was thinking mid prayer. What What is Jerry thinking at the end of the game? When you've got a rookie running back, three touchdowns, just absolutely daggering you, and your running back put up, I don't know what, 12 yards yesterday, something like that, <laughs> you know, your $90 million guy, um, that's got to just really make your whole big picture uh, thinking go out the window, you know, in terms of the long-term plan for this team when you see that kind of stuff happen around the league, um, you know, these these lower budget guys being productive, you know, and you've got so much money tied up into a position that's just unproductive for you. Um, they're going to have to make some decisions, man. They, they really are. And I think moments like that are, are what really puts, puts Jerry in a, in a position to actually make some changes. And that's a problem. The success or lack of success you see, some of that is directly correlated to decisions that you've already made. The only way um, Jerry will make it, make changes if, is if he's embarrassed. If he yeah, gets and, and he should be. And that was a situation where they were embarrassed on all fronts at the end of that football game. Hold on, KT. Uh, uh, this will fit in with with your point. Let's do the. Uh, what, what this has to be a scale here on, on the yeah. embarrassment. And, and and on one side you have embarrassed by the product on the field, but on the other side you have to weigh the embarrassment of admitting you were wrong with this head coaching hire that you gave a five-year contract and you got to back out of. So just before you answer, just you have to factor in both of those, you know? Well, There's going to be embarrassment on either side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Jerry's such an optimistic person that I don't think he's ready to to swallow I me. Mean, when the excuses are built in to defend McCarthy, that's fine. And you know what? It could all work out for McCarthy when you get Dak back and maybe you reload on defense in the draft. That, that could all turn around. That, that legit could happen. Maybe he gets an actual training camp to bond with his players. That matters. That totally matters, and I, I want to be clear about that. And I know Jerry will look at that and go, yeah, yeah. So he ready to admit his mistake on that. The Zeke thing, where it does impact your cap, and it maybe does impact your Dak Prescott you know, negotiations or negotiations with the other talent that you might want to keep, I think that bothers him a little bit more. Um, I really don't think he, he he looks at it that way though. I think he looks at it as uh, Zeke's going to come around. This is an outlier. Zeke's having fumble issues, but he he's still our guy. I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And and quite frankly, like we saw an all or nothing. Jerry's going to go to bat for Zeke no matter what it is. I mean, on the field. I mean, God, all or nothing showed us that Jerry was going to go to bat for him. Off the field, I don't know all the information there. And well, I don't you got to factor into the play, I'll, though. When the play drops off, that stuff changes. Remember, there was a lot of I, going to bat for Des Bryant, and then and then there's not going to bat anymore. So it is, it is very fluid. It is very you know? fluid, though. I'm just saying, like, if if the play is but, bad enough, he won't. And he's not going to like. He, I'm not saying he's not going to defend him publicly, but I'm saying his decision making in terms of yeah. like having a guy on the roster can change, and, and Jerry can be pretty shrewd in yeah. that in that sense. It's safe but the to deed say, is done. Zeke Zeke could have may have literally cost you football games this year on multiple occasions. I mean, there is nothing that honestly Jerry can do to defend Zeke's performance on the football field. I mean, if he wants to defend him as a guy, he's our he's our leader of our team. Fine, but like you can't defend his production. 
It is interesting with the fumbles because it just is such an outlier this season to previous seasons that you're just kind of like, well, what's different this year? You know, like, why is this, why, why is this happening? Like, is, is he, is it, is he trying to do too much? Is, is the preparation during the week, not what it used to be? I mean, is not having Gary Brown as the running backs coach and doing what, you know, things like that. I mean, these things have to be factored in because like I said, you look back on this, I mean, he's got more fumbles this year than he has entire college career. Um, and obviously any other season he's been with the Cowboys, it'd be different if like this was always something that, but this year has been such an outlier. Just, it's strange to me, which also brings me to this point. Like, how do you guys think that they would be playing right now? If, if they didn't have all these injuries, if they did have Tyron, if they did have Lyle and, and Dak was healthy, because there was a point for me earlier in the season where I was like, well, they obviously win the NFC East and they'd have one, probably one of the better records in the NFC and and now I don't I'll, I'll still say they they would win the NFC East just because it's so terrible. But like I still think there would have been a lot of games like we saw at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That where just that even though that they are the better team, they they end up being close for you're, you're just like why is this game like this? Why is it coming down to the end like that? I just don't from what I've seen, and I'm only taking the sample size on what I've seen this year. I just don't have a ton of confidence that they would be just really impressing people, even if all these guys were healthy. Subtract Byron. Add. C.D. Lamb over Randall Cobb, but keep all those guys in. You're a little bit better. Maybe you're about the same as you were last year. Yeah, the defense is the same. <laughs> same defense, and the, the defense maybe may even be worse. Um, but by the way, that runs away with the division. Oh no! <laughs> like that's, yeah, absolutely. That's the difference. Absolutely, it does. The division's yeah. over. It's cake. Yeah, especially you're if we're taking guys and getting them healthy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, if we're taking guys, and then you get Trayvon Diggs would be out there with. I mean, I, I know the defensive backs. We've, we've talked about it. So much. I mean, they obviously weren't good again yesterday. You got, I mean, you're forcing a starting Richard Robinson. That's never ideal. Uh, I mean, the defensive backfield just needs to be addressed in the yeah. draft so much. And, and, and that's will. obvious. But I do think if, if you were healthy and you had, you know, Diggs on one side, Cheeto on the other, and Anthony Brown defending the slot, I think you're, I think you're okay there. You know, like I'm not saying you're going to make a bunch of plays, but you're at least solid on the, on the back end there. Um, when they have to go to their second, third guys, you know, I mean, when you got Jordan Lewis out there all game long and, and Richard Robinson and your, you know, Darian Thompson is playing more because of injuries and things like that, obviously you're going to have your issues. So, uh, and obviously we're talking about a scenario that's like perfect world. Every team's going to deal with injuries, but I'm just, I'm just saying from what I've seen so far, obviously I think they would be much better, but th- I have reason to think like going into next season when they have all these guys back, like I'm still not completely like. Oh yeah, they're winning the division. Going to probably win multiple. They're finally going to get to the NFC Championship game. Like, nah, I don't know how you can watch the games up until this point and think that that's no. like that's about to happen. They've proven that they're one of the five worst teams in the NFL. That's what they are. But uh, this is my thing. When everyone was healthy, they were still fumbling and farting around and losing games. And that's where the Zeke thing is really. There's no defense of it. I don't see how anyone defends it. A couple things you could look at. His usage is way more than anyone. Has been uh, your teams are using running like the deed's done. You've paid him. The extension hasn't even started yet. Um, so there's really you know the idea of cutting him. Are you a better team without Zeke next year? No. But are you a better team with Zeke in a less prominent role next year? Maybe that's where you start to talk. Just because you paid a guy doesn't mean you have to treat him like a king. That's where you have to admit your mistakes. Is by saying you know what? Look, we paid him, but right now Tony Pollard maybe gives us a better chance to break off some big plays. And maybe we could still go 50-50 with them or whatever. Or maybe Tony Pollard is, you know, kind of your um, 
Uh, or maybe Zeke kind of turns into your, uh, for lack of a better better uh, example here, but maybe Zeke turns into your Latavius Murray or your Mark Ingram or whatever. I and, thought you were about to say Jerome Bettis. Well, I mean, I'm looking for the whole like who's the explosive. Like, the, the, you know, most teams use two running backs anyways. Like, um, you know, the the McCaffreys, the Kamaras, the Dalvin Cooks. They're so rare, and you don't you don't pay them. And those guys, by the way. Or finding a way to come through, but here you see McCaffrey hurt this year. Dalvin Cook's had a history of injuries. We'll see if Kamara can end up staying healthy. Look, you just don't pay running backs anymore. You just don't do it. And this team was late to the curb on that. It's and there's not, some other teams. It's been not late to only the curb. that; it's 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 dumb investment. But I mean, you look at the production from some of these young, cheap second, third, fourth round running backs. I mean, it just yes. doesn't make sense. Maybe it did in 2016. And I, I'll admit, I was in on Zeke in 2016. I thought it was going to help this team extend Romo's career. He was clearly the best running back coming out that year. And you can say what you want about Derrick Henry, but Ezekiel Elliott had everything you wanted coming out. Uh, there were questions about Henry's commitment, all that all that kind of stuff, all those questions, which is why he went later. Um, but now, I mean, you just look at the way the game's going. I mean, it's all about these smaller gadget um you know, kind of all around guys that really you don't have to put the game on their shoulders, you know, <laughs> that can kind of come in situationally and make big plays for you. And I just think the mentality of this team needs to change from we have the best offensive line in the NFL. We're going to hand it off to Zeke. And that's that's our main strategy on offense. And then we have all these players to, to accent that uh, it needs to be the opposite. It needs to be we have all these great players and then we have Zeke to if we need him in, in the I- background. I thought you were going to say KT <laughs> Jerome Bettis because I was thinking about that 2005 season. So I just went and looked it up. 2005, that Steelers team won the Super Bowl. Jerome Bettis had 110 carries. Willie Parker had 255. Yeah, I thought that, I, <laughs> I'm just joking. I you mean, don't want it. that's not well, you can't be paying Zeke what you're paying him to be Jerome Bettis, and that was at Jerome Bettis' back end of his career. Obviously, that was but, you know that was that right out into the sunset. You know. Here's what happens to the running backs that get paid, though. We've seen it all. They either get hurt or they fall off. Uh, Derrick Henry, currently an outlier. We'll see. Definitely an injury risk, especially at that position where you're getting hit. And look, in 2016, I understand why they did it. I'm okay with it. It's it's okay to draft a guy and have him for four or five years. Yeah. yeah. And then let him go. Like, it's okay. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to, like, oh, he means so much to us. And, and, And my issue, though, and this is where, like, guys like Kamara, and Christian McCaffrey are, are so different because they go and catch passes down the field multiple times a year. You see them on wheel routes having ex- a big explosive long touchdown plays, game-changing plays. You don't see that with Zeke anymore. Not Zeke anymore. is a, yeah. he's a plunge-ahead running back. And he, yesterday, I didn't see enough Tony Pollard. There's a fourth-and-one play or third-and-one play where they gave it to Tony Pollard, and he got it easy. It was some tough running inside by Tony Pollard. It's like, well, he can do that there. Like, I, I need to see more Tony Pollard. Point is, D is done. Zeke is on your team next year. They're not They're not cutting bait on this. Zeke yeah. is on your team next year. Does Zeke have to be your running back one next year? He absolutely does not. Um, sure, maybe he can be your running back one. Does he have to get snaps like every other running back one in the league? No, he does not. But that's the whole idea of are you willing to make an adjustment on your investment? Well, I invested in something. It is going to be sunk cost, but we might as well. Now, if you drafted, let's say they were in the top five and they drafted Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. By the way, 
I don't draft linebackers top 10 personally, although Roquan Smith would tell me to suck it. But Micah Parsons of Penn State said they'd take him. You know, if he's a better player than Jalen Smith, just because you paid Jalen Smith, but Micah Parsons is a better player, would you play Mike Parsons? Micah Parsons? You absolutely would. I don't know. This team's a little different. They've got this weird honor code sometimes. It's just, it's very frustrating. I, I, I want to mention, because you're talking about the defense, I, I want to mention Randy Gregory. Man, Randy Gregory, and I hope he continues to play more, but man, I feel, and you can never count on him 100%, I know that. I feel so good about Randy Gregory being on this team next year because what he's doing is is providing incredible production. Um, I just I get two sacks yesterday, obviously. But more than anything, he's getting to the quarterback. And Tank's playing well as well, and that, that helps. Um, but Randy Gregory's been awesome. Really, really, every time Randy Gregory plays, since he's been in the NFL, he's actually been really good. And maybe it's just not talked about because he hasn't been around enough. No, I feel like the defensive line, I shouldn't say that, the edge rushers, because the defensive tackles, mm-hmm. it's so hit or miss. Like Some games that they seem like they're pretty solid, other games are just like Antonio Gibson, huh? Three touch? Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. That play, and I know this didn't really affect, affect the tackles, but that play right after the fake punt, that Gibson run, I mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah. To be untouched on that play like that. Anyway, there are just too many games like that this year uh, where there's just guys running around like that. That shouldn't be that bad. But the edge rushers, I will say, that is that is one bright spot there. But you could spend every pick in this upcoming draft on the defense, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. I know that's not a good way to draft, but still, like it just—I agree. I mean, and, and it's funny because that's such a distant storyline to me in this game, just because of how bad the coaching decisions were. You know, I mean, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about Zeke and the fumbles. Like that should be one of the main things we're talking about, but the coaching decisions kind of push that all to the background. I mean, because even with the defense, at least you did have the Jalen Smith interception. I mean, I really did think. Things were turning there. Like, obviously, it turned right back to Washington when they couldn't even punch the ball in there. Uh, that obviously was a sequence they absolutely had to have, and and you know that obviously didn't go well. Um, yeah. What about what about uh, what about Dalton? Like, how did you think that he played comparatively to previous games, and just really uh, like the receivers, Dalton Schultz, all that, like. And even the offensive line, like, because me personally, I didn't, I didn't think it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. One sack, Martin and Cam Irving were down. Yeah, no. And when Terrence still came into the game, I made it a point to watch him very closely, um, just to you know, seeing lives. He gave up a, uh, I know, a big sack to Chase Young, kind of late in the game. But I thought Terrence still was actually pretty good. Um, There's only a couple times it really jumped out that he was just kind of shoved in the backfield, like we'd seen. Quite a bit. I I thought he was pretty good. Now talking about you know the quarterback play, obviously he took some sacks that you'd like to not see. But I I, I really don't know what to say. I, like I'm here to make I'll make some excuses for Andy Dalton. I can't make I can't make excuses for underthrowing a crossing route like he did against Minnesota last week. And Eric Kendricks makes a nice play. I can't make excuses for that or almost throwing an interception on the slant route to Dalton Schultz before he won the game. But I can make excuses for him just not having time and being able to get rid of the ball. He had a couple plays, too, and this has to happen for them to have a chance. A couple plays where he was able to move the change with his feet. That's going to happen two or three times a game for them to have a chance, you know. And um, So, I mean, I, I really didn't have a problem. I don't, I don't think – I mean, 
Maybe we could see Garrett Gilbert again, and maybe. I, but Andy Dalton probably gives you the best chance to win that game, uh, to win games. I, I, I understand that. I, I guess uh, wide receivers are fine. I, I thought the play calling could have been a little more aggressive from a uh, offensive standpoint, not the field position standpoint, which was another thing about the fake punt. I just want to get this out of the way for, for real quick too. It's like when you'd given them a short field twice with the not getting converting. Um, in the first half, and then the Zeke fumble. Just the idea of giving them the ball inside the 30-yard line again <laughs> just seems like it's a little excessive at that point. So that's another thing on the fake punt. Like I said, well, they didn't times consider they, that. They didn't consider not making it. That's what's yeah. so dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is at 10 yards. Well, Cedric Wilson will just chunk it to the punter. We're good, yeah. Former quarterback, and that, yeah. And that's what the analytics people, though, will tell you. Um, well, you can't look at these things as in results-based outcomes. No, exactly. I'm not. That's what. That's the whole thing. If you're a true analytics person, you look at things of what happens if I get this, what happens if I don't get it. And that tells you we're just going with the gut there on the sidelines. Mike McCarthy Despite said being, after the game, you need to stop thinking about the negatives, okay? What was so hey, funny well, was— Hey, the world sucks right now, man. Is they, is they showed uh, McCarthy going up to Fossil on the sideline— um, on TV right after that, and them talking about the play, and it and, and it seemed like McCarthy and him were in total agreement on it, like totally nodding, like yep, yep, cool, yep, all right, cool, you're good, yeah, I'm good too, yep, all right, sweet, cool. There wasn't a like, <laughs> hey man, what the f happened there, man? You know, like any kind of uh, um, that didn't go the way we planned. You well, know, yeah, kind of I mean, <laughs> this John Fossil, this is no secret that this is how he is. I mean, I think they even said in yeah. the broadcast that Troy Aikman was talking about. Yeah, his He's conversation like he had this uh, week, week with McCarthy. Teams. Yeah. yeah, so he knew what he was hiring. So, yeah, he's absolutely on board with this stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I, he doesn't get a pass on that. And I would say their special teams is better. Hey, um, first of all, hold on. Does anybody out there really think that <laughs> that in that situation that the special teams coach would be like, guys, we're not even going to tell the head coach? Run this play right now. In oh, that I situation, know they were in you literally it. would not have a job I, today. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. But but it wasn't even like McCarthy was was reprimanding him for guys not doing what they were supposed to do on the play. Like he knew yeah. what the play was, but it was like um, he was once he explained what happened on the play. He's like, "All right, cool, sounds good. All right, thanks." It wasn't no, no. Like, I mean, dude, how how could that happen? It, there was no like, I don't know. That's absolutely the play. When you, we, we, when you absolutely make a backbreaking play like that, it was just like it looked like they they had just converted a fourth a fourth big fourth down, and it was like, dude, what'd you do on that play? That that worked great. Oh, here's what I did. Oh, great, awesome. You know, like it had that energy no, to it. No, that's absolutely was the play. Believe me. Like I, I was trying to say earlier, without saying it, is we don't get to see much in practice anymore, but we do get to see some special teams. Believe me. No, yeah. no, that that was their play. Oh yeah, well, yeah. You know what? Another another thing is is we were we were talking about on the Minnesota game how beautiful that that um, two point conversion was. You know that pitch to yeah. CD. Where was that when you're on the on the goal line on fourth and one? Where's the where's the the beautiful uh, trick plays? Uh, well, they did do the calls. they did do the pitch to CD on third and one though. Yeah, yeah. Before oh, the fourth and one, and it didn't work. When they're and, on the goal and, and, line, and, and the Washington go, very you much got to have something up your butt. You got to have some kind of play. Washington very much looked like they knew that that was coming when they ran that play to CD on third and one. Like that did not fool them at all. Yeah, and these teams are familiar with each other uh, for the most part. I know we have new coaches on both sides, but they played a few weeks ago. Um, you know, and, and that's one thing. You know, the short week uh, for the Cowboys was tough because of the circumstances. But in terms of preparation, I mean, preparation this year has been different 
than it's ever been and for a lot of these teams. The Cowboys had a bye week. The game plan had been set. Uh, they had a bye week before the Minnesota game. The game the game plan had been set for Washington. They, they knew what to expect from Washington, aside from adjustments based on Washington's win over Cincinnati last week. So, like, you know, little things like that. You know, I, I, I guess, you know, where I'm at on this, though, is – yeah, you, you, we got a bad football team, but you got a bad football team who's still in it. You're going to have the Eagles playing Seattle on Monday night, probably going to lose, uh, given the way things are going. Carson Wentz is a mess. The Giants play the Bengals, so I would assume that the Giants get a win and go up to Washington's four and seven. Uh, meanwhile, the Cowboys are three and eight. But dude, I just look at the Cowboys' remaining schedule, and I go, I, I just, I can't help but think they're going to sneak out a couple wins. And five's probably not enough to do it, but this is like against everything. It's it's really what it's the most cowboy thing ever. Win enough games not to like get a real high draft pick, but not win enough games to win the division to get a playoff game. They're gonna kind of be in that middle. I, I truly think that's where this thing goes. Yeah, they'll, they'll be like out. number eight or something like that. Like in a weird, yeah, eight a to weird twelve. Position. Yeah, yeah, are in there. Um, you know, looking at it right now, they are they would have the fourth. Uh, so you know the Jets obviously at zero and ten, Jacksonville one and nine, and Cincinnati at two seven and one, and, and it's, it's really hard for me to see Cincinnati Sorry. winning another game this year unless they beat the Cowboys. So like you know you got you know, the Chargers, Giants, Falcons, and Philadelphia are the other three win teams with you. Um, and I think the Chargers we've seen enough out of them; they're going to win some more games. Um, the Falcons will probably sneak out a few games. Yeah, it's uh, the, the whole thing about the Giants, though, is interesting. If the Giants are one game ahead of you, though, and you beat them at the end of the year, that means you would have the tiebreaker over them. So if you tie the Giants, and that ended up being for the division, <laughs> then you could end up being the winners. This thing is not over, I guess is what I'm saying. And now they got to figure out how they're going to get ready for Baltimore and the great RG3 and Dez game, which we've all been talking about this whole year, right? When the Cowboys meet up the, uh, gets, uh, to play the Ravens and get RG3 and Dez Bryant. Holy cow. We're going to have a fun episode next week, aren't we, guys? It'll be good, man. It'll it'll be good. Um, it'll be good. It'll be fun to talk about. I don't know what the Cowboys are going to look like, man. You know, like I we said at the outset, they looked really good against the against the Vikings. I thought we had turned things around and then, you know, tough circumstances, of course, but you know, you they laid an egg. You know, not on the scoreboard, but they laid a, a giant egg on Thanksgiving uh, against against Washington at home. When, uh, you know, everything should have gone your way. All they had to do was play, like, smart football. They didn't have to play good football. They just had to play yeah. smart football to win this football game. And um, they couldn't even do that. So and, hey, that's who, are, who, who are we? You know, like, we just watch from afar, cover the team. But let's talk about the players for a second. What do you, what do you think that they're thinking on plays like that? Like, like they can sit there and say, like, oh, I really like our coach is aggressive. Like, I really like his. his. Yeah. But as, on some of them, they even have to be sitting there and being like, I mean, I know we run this play in practice, but oh, my God, he he's calling it right. We're going to do this right now. All right, we're doing it. Here we go. Like, and, and here's the thing. Like, I think you get more out of a game that, like, comes down to the wire. And at least you're building on what your three per- past performances were as opposed to getting your doors blown off. And I don't think that that helps, like, to sit there and be like, yeah, we took some chances, we got our doors blown off. It's like, I think that the players would have more respect if you just played the game the right way, called it like a normal game against another team that they're looking across the ball and be like, yeah, we can beat these guys, coach. We don't need to do that kind of stuff right now. Like, let's just play this team out. 
I think a majority of the players don't think about the game that way, though. I think they just take their marching orders and go do it. I think there's some players who have the personality the to moment, go, what are we doing? Yes, in the moment. In, in the moment, now, like, sure. I'm talking like, today. About, I'm talking about, about today. Yeah, I'm talking no, about today, absolutely. looking at the result. I, I yeah. find that hard to believe that they're feeling that way today. Well, no, think about what Dak Prescott was thinking while he's sitting on his couch watching this game. I bet is he going, huh? That that's what I kind of go. And if I'm a de- if I if I'm a defensive player, let's say I'm I'm Leighton Van Der Esch or I'm Jalen Smith. Let's say I'm one of the defensive leaders or Tank Lawrence. Am I just like, oh yeah, coach has got us right here? No, <laughs> no. If I'm a defensive player right there, I'm going hell yeah. Let's go get another stop. We're gonna win this thing twenty three to twenty. That's what I'm thinking, and I think that's what, how that defense is wired because we've seen this defense take some strides. Yes, they got ran on. Yes, they gave up. Well, they didn't really give up anything deep because Washington's not capable of throwing deep. They got ran all over. But even yesterday, before things before that happened, you would have gone, okay, pretty good effort by the defense. They they, actually, they snuck out a turnover and they gave up under 400 yards. <laughs> like you would have been like, you know what? Look, yeah, we're still bad, but like enough to like, hey, go beat a bad team, right? Am and I- that's where I thought when it's that close. Why slap your team in the face like that? It's just, it's just wrong. I don't. I feel, know, I feel bad. I, I think I'm the only one out there. Certainly, I didn't see any of this on social media. That thinks Jalen should should have been able to take that to the house, man. I mean, that's a key. You thought play. that? That's he a, doesn't have any breakaway speed. I know exactly. I mean, his but, first three or four people stops. are like, "Oh, Jalen, yeah, Jalen's just flying around out there. Look at him, like, dude, you got to no. be able to take that to the house, man. They gifted you a pick six, and they freaking DK Metcalf to you on the one yard line or whatever you want to BB or whatever you want to call it. Um, you got to be able to take that to the house, and you're not. You're in an offense is not in a position to be able to cash in on anything. So, I mean, that that's a back-breaking play. I know that was a great play for the defense, but it's a back-breaking play not to be able to cash in on that um, on a, with a, with six points. Did you like Van Der Esch's comments on that, John, where he basically said he would, he didn't block Terry McLaurin? He didn't McLaurin want to block him in the back? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had no issue with that. I agree with him. I saw, I the, I saw the play, and I was like, oh, he kind of – he kind of touched him with yeah. one hand, but you could tell in his mind he was like, "Oh, I don't want to risk this thing getting called." You know, that's why you see sometimes on punt and kick returns where guys—well, more in kick returns actually—when guys will run with their hands up in the air when they're next to a guy, like, "Hey, I'm just getting my body in front. I'm not, I'm not blocking because they want to make it so obvious that they're not. You can't call anything." And one of the uh, one of the uh, instances I'll use an example is. On the on the one fake that did work for the Cowboys this season, when when on the punt return when Cedric Wilson threw back to C.J. Goodwin, you know C.J. Goodwin gets tripped up. They probably should have the ball and whatever it was inside the ten, and they called like an illegal block in the back on that play, and that yeah. was not. It was just a guy that fell down, and so yeah, for that under I understand. Like I can't argue with like I mean yeah, you can easily make the case that Leighton Vander should have had a better uh, block on Terry McLaurin, but. I can't argue with what he said after the game because you don't know what the refs are going to call. And, and certainly you would take, yeah, it should have, you know, you get a good block, he scores a touchdown, but you certainly would take them being on the four as opposed to the 50. Yeah. And refs are taught to look for cheat codes. They're taught to look for a hand, like on offensive holding, they're taught to look for hands outside the shoulder pads. On blocking the backs, they're told to look for extended arms or even on push offs or pass interferences. You look for the arm extension. Like you look for those little things. So, you know, it would have been very evident if he did try to go for that block, his arm would have been extended. It would have looked that way and been easy to get flagged. Um, you know, my frustration goes to not punching it, punching it in once you're at the four-yard line. That's kind of where it goes from there. You should get the points there every time. But 
Um, look, tough one. It sucks because you felt <laughs> like that. <laughs> tough like, one. It, it, well, well, no, That's what I'm saying is you. in the locker room afterwards. <laughs> All right, guys, hey, tough guys. one. <laughs> Go ask some turkey. Well, look, you maybe, you, you might lose that game without some dumb decisions anyways, right? Um, but I look at this team, so what Kent kind of said a minute ago, as we kind of wrap things up here, I just look at their opponents, and they, Kent's right, they don't have to play good football to sneak out some wins here. Attack, let's be honest, to win the division, five games left, they don't have to play good football to win the division. They have to play smart football. And I think that's probably the most concerning thing about the McCarthy tenure so far. Is Does this look like a well-oiled machine? Does this look like a smart and well-coached football team? And on many days, from an in-game management standpoint, they do not. And I'm talking about even when guys were healthy in the first month, there was so much chaos. I mean, it was like Campo-era chaos. Just guys running on the field and 12 men on the field. And, oh, wait, no, he's in. What? Oh, punt team. 10. 10 people are on the field now. And there's a guy running to the sideline. And there's just so much chaos. Um, and I think that's the most concerning thing. I got excuses for days. And McCarthy's got them. And you know what? McCarthy's got a five-year contract that's going to pay him about $40 million. About $8 million a year. Those excuses... We can talk about excuses. He's getting paid. Like we're all good. He's got him. He'll be here next year. So well, the excuses are almost like a, a non sequitur discussion point for me. I don't have a little. I don't have patience for people who come at me and go, uh, or come at us, or, or anyone who go. Well, you wouldn't be bitching about it if if they would have converted the fake punt. No, actually, I would have. <laughs> I don't know about that. I would have because there was 12 minutes left in the game and you're on the 24-yard line. Like, it here's, was a here, foolish decision. Here's the other thing that needs to be factored in here is if it was, like, some type of an outlier play. But everybody that's watched this team all season is, like, we know what they do on special teams, and they, and there have been plenty of head-scratching calls throughout. So it, you have to factor those in as well. It's not just a one-off thing. Like, well, I'm just, just going to judge it on this one play. you got to judge the full body of work. And when you add it up with everything else, you're just like – what what are they doing? Like, are they do they want that high draft pick? I mean, like, what do we? I don't get it. Why would you call that there? I almost think there was better odds if you just would have been like fourth and ten. This is fine. Yeah. We're going. Th- we're going three well, wides. Dalton in the gun. I mean, it's like, dude. I don't know. Next possession, they stop you, and it's fourth and eleven on the forty, and you punt. Like what? Not only are they beating you by eleven. There's less time left in the game. What do the analytics say here, champion? Well, here's what they tell you. Yeah, they tell you you might again, as well go for it because yeah, you yeah. freaking tripled down a minute ago. <laughs> I would never want to go play poker or blackjack with McCarthy. What if they It'd did be the that worst again experience? And he was just like, uh, yeah, well, the analytics. I mean, that situation is just totally tripling hey. down on the hey. analytics. <laughs> right, but hey, check this out, Kent. Kent, but this time though, but this time though, <laughs> the Gunners, the Gunners are Amari, CD, and Michael Gallup. Yeah. And, and you're like, coach, they knew you were going to run the fake that you put your three receivers out there. It was a good yeah. play call, damn it. Well, sorry, we're not thinking about the negatives. We're trying well, to be aggressive the, uh, here. Analytics say that if Amari, CD, and Michael are all out there at the same time, that we have a better chance of, uh, you know. Just, <laughs> coach, insane, coach, they were out there, but 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 Hunter Nicewinder threw it in the ground five yards away. Like, it didn't have a chance. It didn't matter who the receivers were. Yeah, uh, but, I almost you know, like. Don't be negative about it. You know, like I said, um, they just got to play smart football. And, you know, if Jason Garrett was the football coach right now, and I'm saying football a lot, like I'm Garrett or Tony Romo right now, I understand. 
um, that. But I mean, if Jason Garrett was here, you know that down the stretch here that they would be competitive, and these these would be like one score games, uh, especially in a division. At least we know we're going to ha- have some insane things happen in the last month of the season that we're going to be able to talk about here. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to be like down predictable down the middle football from any standpoint. So no, it's, it's either going to be ass. they're going to be winning in crazy crazy fashion or they're going to be losing to teams that they should not have any business losing to. And so it's going to be crazy. It's like it's like the floor is so low with Mike McCarthy and the ceiling is so high with Mike McCarthy. And the scary part about what you just said is the fact that you're comparing it to Garrett because oh, it's God. like that's not what he was sold in here to be. It was supposed to be this is a guy that's won a Super Bowl and it's going to take it to the next level. It's going to be better than what Garrett was. You know, that's that's guy. scary when you think about that. What Garrett brought was consistency. And it might and like I said, the the ceiling is probably lower for Garrett than it is with Mike McCarthy. But at least every week you'd know that you what you were going to get. We have no idea what we're going to get week to week with this team. No idea. I will say real quick, the smashing the of the uh, watermelons thing, I thought of that as more, more of a Garrett, like we're going to bring this mannequin on the road, nameless <laughs> face type thing. Like, like I didn't think, again, it I didn't know a lot about Mike. Body yeah, bag. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, in the body bag. Yeah, I didn't think that, uh, I didn't think that Mike McCarthy did stuff like that, you know? So when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God! If Jason Garrett did this, they wouldn't be killing him the, for it. The stories were that, like in uh, in Green Bay, he would like rotate out the motivational messages, like, okay, this week could be Joe Philbin, or this week could be, you know, the offensive coordinator would kind of have a, a bit of that. That type of stuff still exists. I, I can't get this image out of my head of like going up to Windstar and like playing blackjack, and you're next to McCarthy, and he's like, like, okay, oh, a king and a six. All right, sixteen, hit me. <laughs> okay, you busted again, dude. No, it was a good call. I can't stop okay. thinking about the poor equipment guys that had to pick up watermelon shards all over the locker room after they <laughs> got fit into that. All right, guys. All right, here you go. Clean this up. <laughs> you know. Uh, last thing we should do here, KT. I realize uh, for the listener, we didn't do our picks episode this week because of the short week. But uh, I'll admit, I picked Dallas to win this game. So I'll take the L in the column. I picked them 24-20 to win this game coming off what we saw in Minnesota. thought they'd squeak one out here, play decent football, conservative football, and and, and get a win. Um, but I was wrong, so I'll take the L. Yeah, I will too. I I, uh, uh, I thought it would be 2017 Cowboys, so I'll take an L as well. I picked them. I forgot what the score was, but I definitely picked the Cowboys to win. And I, and I just learned that harsh lesson, lesson of never again. Um, just never again. Maybe the Bengals game. Maybe I'll pick them in the Bengals game. Actually, Dude, I had Washington 41-16. I thought that maybe sometime early in the fourth quarter, the game would be close. They'd be faced with a fourth and 10 deep in their own zone. I thought that maybe they would fake it, not get it, and then get their doors blown off. So I called it. We'll take a win. Gosh, I mean, we're talking about this season, but like long-term, Washington's got some weapons, man. Like if Ron Rivera can get some good picks – their defense looks pretty scary, man. And they tackle and, well. I know yeah. Alex Smith isn't the long-term solution there, but they, they could be a team in three years. That's really at the top of this division with the way the trajectory <laughs> could look, especially after just one half of one season. Hey, Jerry comes to you right now today. And he says, I've worked out this deal with Dan Snyder and we're leaving oh. this up to you two guys. You can either have for the and then, now this is for the next five years. Ron this just, you can either have Ron Rivera or Mike McCarthy. Who do you want? I want Rivera. Do we have a Do we have a Ron Rivera backup plan just in case? 
Jesus, KD. I know that's dark. I'm just saying like both coaches will coach for the next five years. You're guaranteeing me both of them will be alive in five years. You don't know you have to find these loopholes so dark with you. (laughs) Well, look, for the sake of the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Ron Rivera. Okay. But going, but but going into the year, what do you think the majority of people thought? I'll tell you what. Okay. Hold on. Are you talking about before, before either was hired? Yes. I think it would have been pretty close to 50, 50. I think it was McCarthy by a smidgen. Okay, I'll give you that. I, I can tell you what, what it would have been for me. Neither. No, you have to pick. I'm no, but I'm, t- I'm just telling you, no, I'm telling you before the season or before yeah. the hiring. Of all the new coaches if this both year. Both are available, no. Which yeah, one would yeah. you have wanted? Of all the no. of all the rookie coaches in the NFL. Do we get to see what roles? they did this year or before? Before. Oh, I would have went with Mike McCarthy. Hmm. Yeah. Now I, that we've seen, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like it would have been interesting to see maybe – Kevin Stefanski. I, I, I'm I, personally, I'm personally jaded on the Joe Judge thing because I literally feel like I've watched what the Joe Judge thing is in Detroit because it's the same type of like Belichick guy getting in there and and it rubbing guys the wrong way. Now obviously New York's a better organization than Detroit, but like I don't know if I'm completely sold on Joe Judge working down here. So I probably would have went with McCarthy. I, I yes, remember this. Uh, a I wanted Lincoln Riley, but that was not terribly right. uh, realistic. But the other guy I wanted was Joe Brady. And Joe Brady's your yeah. OC for Matt Rule. Like, my, that's my who problem, I wanted. But, like, problem, if you're telling me I can have Matt Rule and Kellen Moore stays as OC, easy for me to say that now, and I don't know if I would have said that six months ago or whenever. Yeah, man. Um, and, but if you go that route, you're going off of a guy that, like, has had one amazing college football season as a coordinator, yeah. and then you're making him your head coach. That's just – that's that's bold. I don't think you could have done that. So maybe in your, in your scenario, you would have went well, with Matt Rule because you get him as a package. Would you, you remember that the, way then? Do you remember the rumors that were out that Joe Brady would be a tandem with Wink Martindale, the DC for Baltimore? I don't. It never, that. Ha- it never happened, but it was a rumor that they would be a package deal. Who would have been the head had, coach? Joe Brady would have been the head coach. Oh, here's a question for you. But he would no, have handled just the offense, like a Sean McVay, Wade oh, Phillips okay. type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the uh, very the rumor, interested in that. The rumored tandem before McCarthy of of, of Hugh Jackson, Marvin Lewis. Would you rather oh, have that God. right now? No, McCarthy. <laughs> Come on. No. Oh, I don't man. know if this team I don't know if this team's any better or any worse with Marvin Lewis, though. From what we've seen so That's far. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. know. They're bad either way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two wins. They're bad. This Nah, I don't know if what if Jason Garrett's the head coach this year. Sam injuries, what what is this team? Have they, have they quit? Because no, they've seen no, it all? I think no. they're two well, wins better with Jason Garrett by default, just because familiarity buy-in, given, all that kind of stuff. Given what we saw at the end of last year, and I do think there was some internal tension, uh, I mean, not that there hasn't been internal tension this year already, but I, I do get the feeling that if this was going down on another year with Garrett, that I think the I think the house would be burning down. So I, I do think the team might have – I don't want to say quit. I never want to question, you know. So the house has, that, isn't burning down right now? You don't think the house is burning no, down? We're no, because, because it's all because of your division. Right, because your division is so bad, it's covering up. We should be lampooning this team in any other division, and and, and we are, we are lampooning this team with the non sequitur on the side of. But if they fart and fall down, maybe they'll beat the Bengals, and then they can beat the Giants and win the division at five. I mean, it's just the most insane thing ever. And by the way, here for all of it, want them to do well. But if they're not going to do well. Give me the circus. 
I'm fart. telling you, dude, I want the nooch back in. Fart Let's and go. fall down. Fart and fall down. The story of your 2020 Dallas That's Cowboys. That's the NFL Films, <laughs> the title of the highlight reel. God bless the NFL Films guy who has to put that thing together this year. The, uh, oh, man. Try to make a entertaining 30 minutes out of this season. But, um, <laughs> It'll wow. be easy to make it entertaining. Just finding yeah. the good football's hard. Well, we'll come back next week, um, you know, early in the week, and maybe we'll take some social media questions, something like that. Look big picture at this thing before we turn our attention to Des and RG three, which should be fun. But yeah, Mister McCarthy, you have an eighteenth. We recommend that you stay. Hit me. Hit. <laughs> I busted again. It was the right decision. Oh, man. Mike, were you thinking about the negatives when you hit? Hey, guys, we can't think about the negatives. I kind of realize 250,000 plus people have died, but we can't be thinking about the negatives when we go out there in this world today. All right? Hey, uh, yeah, but um, Coach McCarthy, Australia's on fire. Stop thinking about the negatives. <laughs> well, and by the way, I'll be thinking about the negative test that hopefully the Ravens get so we can keep the Cowboys-Ravens game on Thursday night. More on that on the next episode of About Them Cowboys. For Father John Mashota, for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin KT Turner. Be sure to go to The Athletic, check everything out. Uh, Tim Cato's got some good math stuff up with free agency in the draft. Levi Weaver on the Rangers offseason. Sean Shapiro will have you uh, up to date with all the Stars news. Bob and John and Saad with all kinds of Cowboys content as well. And, uh, you know, check out that uh, Prospects to Pros po- uh, uh, podcast as well with Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline. Uh, that one's going pretty good. Um, so, uh, yeah, go to theathletic.com. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Again, we'll say, uh, say the outro again for Father John Michaud and for our producer, Kate Garrison. I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll see you next time as the very much in contention Dallas Cowboys get ready for the Baltimore Ravens on About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.